Welcome to Capes and Critiques, where we give our two cents about comic book characters and pop culture. This week's issue, we take a deep dive into the Final Fantasy VII Remake and how it compares to the original. Did we like it? Did we not? Listen in and you'll find out! Hello, hello everyone! Welcome to another thrilling episode of Capes and Critiques. Hopefully our audio is better this time and take two of recording over a Zoom call. We have uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) it will go better it will go better it's honestly really weird that the audio was kind of sketchy last time because we did do a little practice before and that one sounded fine like the original one when we were trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to use zoom for this um and then it didn't (laughs) turn out fine when we actually (laughs) recorded but regardless here we are again hopefully with better sound quality and we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake. <sighs> so I personally haven't played this, but I know of the game, obviously. Well, not obviously, but Cloud, love Cloud, and love the Final Fantasy VII world in general and all the characters. Uh, but my co-host has played it, and she has also played the original. So she's going to give her little review of the game itself and kind of differences in between the original and this new one and, you know, her general thoughts. And I'm here to listen in and listen to spoilers because who knows if, when I'm ever going to play the game. (laughs) So so instead of spending $60, I'm just going to listen to somebody else talk about it. That's That's fair and a little bit different considering I did not pay $60. I paid $335. $335. Okay, well, <laughs> not all of us are big money ballers and gonna buy the deluxe set or whatever. I'm not a big money baller, I'm just stupid. Okay, so you pretend to be a big money baller. Exactly. Okay, as my co-host has said, um, I'm gonna be talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake and the OG. Going forward, I'm just gonna call it Remake and OG. Because I don't feel like saying Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy VII OG. Too long. Mouthfuls, to be sure. Okay. Exactly. Um, but before going in, what is, what is my co-host's history with Final Fantasy VII for people that don't know? Well, I guess my first interaction with Final Fantasy VII was the movie, Advent Children. It had like mm-hmm. a limited release in theaters, and I was in love. My mom even remembers it, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing to me because she like took me to see it obviously as a child. But yeah, so that's where I first met all the characters, Cloud and Tifa and Sephiroth, Vincent, Yuffie, the squad, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Zack and Air learned through there. After that, obviously I got curious. So then I learned about the, the game, Crisis Core. I didn't play it, but I watched a playthrough of it. So mm-hmm. I could know like the story and everything. And then for the actual Final Fantasy, original the og one i also just kind of wikied it to see what happened so Mm -hmm. i didn't play either of them but that's how i know of it and i know obviously the general story because of that but i don't know anything about the remake i know some things about the remake because our friend of ours coco she played it and then she vented to me about it so i know something (laughs) but i don't know everything so i'm very i'm gonna go kind of into this blind with only my prior knowledge of like the og Okay, okay, cool, cool. Just a little bit of backstory on myself. I also only found out about Final Fantasy VII because of the movie. I think it was some club in high school or middle school. Don't remember which one. And they were showing Advent Children, and I was just like, I don't know what that is. And then my dad took me to Walmart, and they had Advent Children in the $2 box dvd and i was like i heard about this i'm gonna buy it and watch it and then i fell in love with the long white haired man named sephiroth and the story goes from there and so in love like i think that i'm in love with cloud in a lot of ways because you know i was a kid and he was pretty but my co-host loves sephiroth like loves him probably to a kind of dangerous extent sometimes but she she really does like you know how you liked characters in your youth and but you kind of like distance yourself from them because it's been a while you know like you still love them but it's not the same passion 
No, she has lost zero of her passion from a child to now for Sephiroth. And, you know, that dedication can be considered admirable in some ways. Or crazy. You know, I'm trying to tone it down here and say it's admirable, okay? But, you know, you said it, not me. So while, while I am crazy, I know I'm crazy. So that lowers the amount of crazy I am. <laughs> That's some interesting logic. I never said my logic was sound. <laughs> all right, okay. all right, so continuing. Okay, so just a little bit of background on, you know, OG Final Fantasy VII and why, why did this game get a remake? Why were people so crazy about it? Well, because it was a good game. <laughs> wow. Ooh, that is like the... Who would have thought? Not me. Um... Yeah, uh, it was a very good game. It came out in January 31st, 1997 for the PlayStation 1. And it was directed by Yoshinori Hitase, art by Tetsuya Nomura, who people in video games know. He's a very famous person for being the director of a little known game as, uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts. Saying that there. And the music by Nobu Uematsu, legendary composer for Final Fantasy games and other JRPGs. Um, this game was considered revolutionary when it came out because um, it was more cinematic and the storyline was more, it dealt with more uh, modern themes at the time, like eco warfare and climate change and, you know, who you are on the inside, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, people, some people forget that Cloud has brain damage. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, why is Cloud so weird? He has brain damage. And like blood poisoning, technically. Yeah, so it's like, and he doesn't know who he is. He's constantly questioning who he is, you know, identity disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. I like that you said it was more cinematic, like for the time. Mm -hmm. And so when I think, when you think cinematic, you don't imagine polygons. <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> I was getting there. So when she said cinematic, I basically imagined, you know, the world of Avatar, but with, <laughs> but with like the Final Fantasy character <laughs> polygons. And I'm like, that's, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what she meant. No, <laughs> because previous Final Fantasy games were just very, like, linear. Well, Final Fantasy VII is still linear, but it was more straightforward, and it didn't, like, you know, get all... It, was very, it wasn't very movie-like, like Final Fantasy VII, because this is also the same time that, like, Terminator came out and a bunch of other big sci-fi hits mm. that really influenced a, a lot of other games. But yeah. this was also the first Final Fantasy game to implement 3D graphics, which is why it looks like crap. <laughs> it looks great for its time. For its time, it was amazing. And considering that this is not, like, because other games prior to this, like Resident Evil came out and the graphics were better, but Resident Evil games were also, like, four or five hours long. This is a 30 to 40 hour long journey, and you can even push it to... 100 hours like I did the first time I played because <laughs> I'm crazy. Jesus. So yeah, for the time, it looked amazing. And no, this... I'm sure. It's just in my head because I'm used to what <laughs> cinematic means now. And what cinematic means now isn't what it meant back then for video Definitely video. not. So that's just a, a funny disconnect. And when you uh, said that it was like about, you know, the environmental mm -hmm. repercussions that come with us basically taking resources, you know, in general from the world. I thought of, the first thing I thought of was Hayao Miyazaki, because that's the theme of so many of his movies. So I'm sure that that also influenced him, like uh, Princess Mononoke, things that came out in that time as well, Nausicaa. Yeah, great movies. Side note, so, you should watch them. You should, you should. But that vibe of like mm -hmm. us versus the environment and what we're doing to the environment and things like that. So. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because that all, all did come out in that era. That was a big yeah. time for Miyazaki as well. Mm -hmm. um, this was also the breakaway for Final Fantasy games to, from like the D&D-esque type um, environment to more of the sci-fi genre. Okay. 
because everything before was very much dragons and dungeons. <laughs> but you know, you get the general feel. And then this one is like more techy and futuristic for the time. <laughs> um, the gameplay wise, it is turn based, uh, which if you don't know what that is, think about Pokemon. That's turn based. It's semi open world, meaning that in the first part, you are stuck in this one place, but when it's when you're done with that place, then you get into the vast open world that you have um, access to from the from the beginning. You get access to the world, and uh, and also this game is very famous. It won a lot of awards. It was a good game. People loved it. A lot of people now say it's overrated. That may be true. <laughs> like most people say, things are overrated from like older games that kind of like established the genre you think it's overrated because every other game has basically ripped off that game or every other thing has ripped off that thing because it was so successful so now you're like oh well that's overrated well yeah because it inspired a whole bunch of shit so it's obviously not original anymore whatever anyway, anyway. um and this started the compilation of the final fantasy series final fantasy 7 series my apologies which is the breakaway of leading to a bunch of other games, OBAs, side stories, movies, like as we said, like um, Final Fantasy VII, Avid Children, fantastic movie, no matter what anyone says. Um, Crisis Core. It'll always be fantastic. Story-wise, it's meh, but what do you expect from a continuation you know of Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> yeah, and also, like, that's basically the MCU. Are any of the MCU's plots that strong? Guys, let's be real, real. They're not. But are they still kick-ass movies to watch because the action is amazing and you get to see your superheroes come to life on screen? Oh, fucking course it is. So same with Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children. Is the story that strong? Not really. No. But is it graphically and visually really fun to watch? Oh, Fuck fucking yeah. course it is. Think about it. This was kind of like the first time a lot of people saw these people, these characters in HD. Exactly. From polygons to, to uh, beautiful to, creations of man. Yeah. yeah, to what Cloud looks like in Final Fantasy Heaven Children. He used to just be freaking polygons. His head was just a freaking rectangle. Like, <laughs> it was an upside down triangle with a yeah. bunch of spikes on it. It's yeah, it's yeah. very funny to go back and play Seven, which I've been doing just for this special little podcast, and because I played the originals like ten years ago and I forgot most of it. That's fair. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, another game like uh, Dirge of Cerberus, which is the Vincent Valentine game that a lot of people sleep on because the gameplay is not the best. But the story is so important. To the Final gives, Fantasy VII. Yeah, because uh, it talks about Luc Lucrezia, who's Sephiroth's mother, like real-ish mother. The one that gave birth to him. The one that gave birth to him. And how that all came to happen and came to be. You only get glimpses of that in the OG, but Dirge of Cerberus talks all about that in its glory. And you see Vincent Valentine being Vincent Valentine. So why is the remake so important? Well, because Square Enix has been teasing this remake since like 2000. So think about it. 10 years ago, Square Enix has been teasing making the remake for Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. So they teased it being like, yeah, we really want to remake Final Fantasy VII, VIII, VI on the PS2 because this is a new system, really cool, new hardware and stuff. But they were like, oh, this is hard. If we, <laughs> if we start doing this, we're going to have to cut a lot of content and we really don't want to do that. But at the same time, they were also working on Final Fantasy XIII, another one of their magnum opus, very polarizing game, but that's not for today. And then in 2005, Square Enix was like, hey, you know what would be fun? If we remade the beginning opening part of Final Fantasy VII 
and our new engine just to show how cool our engine is. And people were like, does this mean we're getting a remake? And they were like, no, we just wanted to show you how pretty it is. <laughs> how pretty it could be. <laughs> yeah, this is what it could be. That doesn't mean we're doing it. And of course, people were pissed. And so it just kept on going on and on and years kept on passing by. It's just like, where is this remake? Myself included. Because I was like, I need Sephiroth in HD. I only have eight minutes of it in Advent Children. And then, finally, in 2015, the original directors and producers were like, bro, we're getting old. If we want to make this remake, we got to do it now. <laughs> like, literally. They're like, if we prolong this anymore, new people are going to be on it, and the original team is not going to be alive to do this anymore. So they were like, okay, we'll start. And thus, the remake started production, and now we have it in glorious... 2020 and it came out on april 10th directed by tetsuya nomura art by tetsuya nomura <laughs> music oh, by oh, music by music by masashi hamazu who also worked on the og soundtrack yeah he came back from retirement to do this because nobu Uematsu was like uh i'm working on my freelancing projects right now I'll do a new song, an original song, but here's this guy who would do an amazing job. And he was just like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so, um, it sold 3.5 million copies in three days, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it goes to show that people were really, really, really looking forward to this game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the staple games in the Final Fantasy franchise. Mm -hmm. Seven, I think you can argue is the most recognizable one in the entire franchise. Yes, exactly. Remake only takes place in Midgar, which people were a little bit upset about because it's just like, what? You're not giving us the full game? And then in the back of my head, I was also one of those people because in the OG game, the Midgar section is only about four to five hours and you don't see Sephiroth ever. So it was just like, What's the point of this game if I don't get to see Sephiroth? <laughs> One goal in mind for myself. Yeah. I mean, fair. He's your favorite character. He's, exactly. he's why you love the series. Exactly. But then they were like, no, no. You'll still see Sephiroth a bunch of times. And this game is going to be about the length of a regular Final Fantasy game. So we're going to put in a bunch of extra shit. And it's just like, it makes sense. When you've been teasing a game for so long and you have the capacity to release a good 30-hour experience, you're going to do it. So that way it can appease the people. It made some people more angry, but I understand why they did it. And yeah. also they're going to make more money when they sell the second part and everyone goes to buy that too. Exactly, i.e. myself. And at the end of the day, even though they are artists and they're creating beautiful games, money is also important. Hence why I'm still working at my job. Correct. The battle system is a blend of real-time action and turn-based strategy, similar to Final Fantasy XV. And this is what, 15, what they wanted for XV, but we're not going to get into that. Now to the point of the review, the similarities and the differences. The similarities is that they literally pulled this game out of their OG and they made it prettier. They even kept certain lines in there. Like, word for word. It's incredible the amount of detail they put into everything. So I, w I was not expecting, because when you infiltrate Shinra to save Aerith, you have the option to go up the stairs, which is like 59 flights of stairs, or take the elevator. They still kept that in there. And you still have to walk up the stairs manually. Did you take the elevator or the stairs? I took the stairs because I was just like, I don't feel like fighting right now. <laughs> and the animation of going up the stairs is hilarious of course tifa beat everyone because it's tifa and then you still see cloud going up there he's in good speed and then as you get higher and higher he slows down and it's like wait a minute am i slowing down or is it cloud it's cloud because he's out of shape <laughs> <laughs> okay but that's a lot of stairs yeah i know it is um but even though this game is called remake i wouldn't really call this game a remake to me this is more like a reimagining, if you will. But okay. you don't want to name it Final Fantasy VII Reimagining. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> um, because everything was meticulously made with that in mind. Because there is, in the case of our Resident Evil 2, 
where it got the full remake and to me that's how a remake is it's it, it doesn't really change the wheel or anything the wheel ain't broke don't fix it yeah well final fantasy 7 they was like okay here's the story we're gonna make it better with an asterisk <laughs> here are the characters we're gonna make them more fleshed out and here's the battle system we're gonna update it so they just decided, hey, what if we made, what if we got this game and we remade it, but we make it as if this was a game coming out in 2020 for the first time. That's how it felt. Okay. Now, I won't go too much into the similarities because it's it's really it's really as if they got the game and they just you know added high def. That's that's how it felt, especially with certain things like you know cloud and address, which I think people would have fought if they didn't put that in there. Oh, I would have been so upset if they didn't have cloud cross-dressing in this. I was like, the inhumanity. <laughs> they had it in the original when he was a little polygon. How dare you? How dare you not give it to me in HD? <laughs> but it was just so amazing, the similarities they had in there. Because it's like, even the paths that you take from Sector 7 to Sector 5, or Sector 5 to Wall Market, are exactly the same. They were just made longer as if this was a, like, you know, it, it felt some parts did feel like padding just to extend the experience, but it just, it felt like this was supposed to be here all along and it felt really good. They even included the Hell House enemy, which made no sense in the original game. And it makes no sense in this game, but I'm still happy they kept it. It's literally a demonic house. <laughs> hey, every city has a haunted house, Barbie. That is true, that is true. <laughs> The, in the OG game, the time we spent in like each section is about 30 to 45 minutes. So if you're going into sector seven with uh, Tifa's bar in there, you're only there be like, hey Tifa, how's it going? It's been five years. Next mission, okay, then you're out and then they land the plate on sector seven, sector seven's dead. So you didn't really form and establish, like, establish a connection with anything to sector seven. It's like when the plate crashed on Sector 7, it's like, okay, it's dead. <laughs> but now but, this one, you have a connection. Yeah, when you're, now in this one, you're there. And sure, a lot of people don't like side quests. I know my co-host included. Yes, I do not. I understand the need for them sometimes, but I hate the games that kind of like overdo it. Like that you need the side quest to continue the main story. I like if it's optional or if like I can do one or two if I need that level or something mm -hmm. like that. Like give me a purpose, but I hate side quests for the sake of side quests. And some mm -hmm. games are like that. They have to do like a million before you're allowed to go back to the main one. And I, that's, that's too much. I'm like, dude, I'm here for the main linear story. I really <laughs> don't give a fuck. I'm not gonna go help some lady with her chickens. I don't care. <laughs> So the side quests are optional, but they do flesh out everything in the environment more. So you get more attached to the people in Sector 7, which is good for me. And for um, the story. Yeah, exactly. The, the, my most favorite part, though, I would have to say is Wall Market, where but that, that's the section where Cloud and Aerith go to save Tifa, because Tifa is captured by the Dawn of the Slums, and Cloud has to wear a dress to seduce the Dawn of the Slums to get Tifa back. What better solution? Well, I mean, he, the Dawn of the Slums was about that. He was just like, <laughs> he, he liked the feisty one because Cloud was just like, you're pathetic. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They knew. They the really did. They, they really did. And it, it was by far like one of the best parts. And Wall Market in the OG game looks so flat and ugly, which fair enough. This is the place where they're rich and famous of the upper city go to for like you know illegal activities so of course it's going to be dirty but in remake it looked more lively and bright and the honeybee inn is by far the best part because you get to see cloud dance like a k-pop k-pop star they didn't need to add that they really didn't but they did <laughs> give me that fan service though <laughs> It was so good, and like they they changed the honey band so so much. Cause in OG, it was a gentleman's club before, and it was really creepy. Like, you know how you think a '90s gentleman's club is supposed to be? Yeah, 
And then they updated it in remake to make it more like a VIP lounge. Mm-hmm. You know, they made a lot of things were changed. Um, so they wouldn't seem less dated. Like, for example, when Aerith is captured in OG, uh, Hojo, the slimy slime ball that he is, we, we all hate Hojo in this house. And they made him so gross. It was, it was appreciated. Um, he initially wanted to breed Aerith with Red 13 because they said, I don't think we're going to reach the promised land in this lifetime, so let's breed Aerith so that way we have a better chance. And since Red 13 is the last of his kind, let's breed him with her so that way, you know, kill a bird with two stones or one stone, whatever. However the phrase is. <laughs> you know the phrase. But thankfully, they took that out. So it's just less gross. He was, was just like, say, yeah. That's super fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still. I don't know. Red 13 is basically. He, he's a lab rat dog. Yeah. Like, he's a dog. He's. He's yeah, he's an experiment. He kind of looks like a lion crossed with a dog a little bit, mm-hmm. like a more like a lioness because he doesn't really have a mane, but he has mm-hmm. like that lion, that big cat mm-hmm. structure. But he's also dog like, so yeah, like she said, he's a lab experiment. And they wanted to breed him with her, with, yeah, with a human, yes. So that's weird as fuck, and I'm glad they took it out. Continue, they still wanted to breed her, but not with Red 13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like that's still better though. No, because still they gross, but not as weird. They still need to make Hojo the gross slime ball that he is. Yeah, he still needs to be a sleaze bag. I get that, but like mm-hmm. it is definitely better that it is at least no longer mm-hmm. with an animal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Another thing that they changed was um Aerith and Tifa's relationship, which I'm so happy about because in OG. Um, they were like friends-ish with quotations. They, they got along because they're on the same team, but most of the time they, it was, they were like arguing with each other for cloud. And that is, Ooh. that is like so dated. It is so dated. Yeah. Like no one does that anymore. No, it, but now they're like friends. They're planning shopping trips together. It's very cute. And like anyone who knows me knows I don't like Aerith. It's considered a very controversial opinion. I don't care. I don't. I never will. But this game made her cute. Made her more likable. Even though you'll never really like her, it made her more likable. Yes, exactly. Because in OG, she was just there and she didn't really have that much character. She was just a sweet flower girl who liked to flirt with Cloud. And then, you know, kind of stuck that in Tifa's face a little bit. And then... You know, ah, she's dead. Who cares? <laughs> Apparently a lot of people do, but not this one. Yeah, that's also a weird similarity, like, between you and me. Neither mm-hmm. of us ever gave a fuck that Aerith died. Like, no. And it's for that reason. She didn't have a fucking personality. Like, most, I guess, a lot of, like, love interests in the 90s, maybe she didn't have a fucking personality. She was just a pretty face with some pretty fucking flowers. And then all of a sudden, Cloud feels like the world's ending because the bitch is dead. And you're like, why? (laughs) What? Why was she so important? And not to put her against Tifa or anything, but, like, Tifa actually had more of a personality. So I thought she was cool always when I was younger. But Aerith? Aerith was, like that popular bitch at school that no one liked that exactly. was Aerith. shallow very much about her exactly and the and like in advent children that's another part where we saw a lot of the other characters more fleshed out like what happened post meteor crashing into you know the planet and you see people like tifa she has her bar she's taking care of kids barrett same thing and then cloud he's just mopey in, in in my house we hate Advent Children Cloud. Oh, we we only we only we only praise Final Fantasy VII Cloud the Sass Master that he is. Yeah, and oh. you only get to see like bits of that in Advent because he's again like a depressed mess. Ugh. And it's like, dude, Ugh, it's it's so annoying. Uh, yeah, it is super annoying. But anyway, yeah, but they actually made Aerith pretty darn cute, and sometimes I was just like, aw. And that's weird coming from me. <laughs> so, 
that it goes to show how far into they went into like developing all these characters more since they had more time like um the avalanche crew jesse biggs and wedge you only met them in og for like the beginning part and then after that you see them die so you (laughs) exactly (laughs) so you didn't really develop much of a connection with them this is like oh they're dead am i supposed to care yeah now exactly. now it's sad because they're dead but also like it's not gonna hate you hard or anything you're gonna be like oh damn that sucks i just saw them like five minutes ago yeah same thing when the when when shinra uh, blew up the pillar to crash the plate on top of sector seven it's like okay so this polygon smashed a bunch of other polygons <laughs> it didn't really have much of an impact mainly for me because i am 20 something years old playing a 1997 game so my eyes are already used to the high def photorealistic people so seeing polygons be sad is doesn't have much impact for me but seeing it in this i have not said how stunning this game is enough because this <laughs> game is stunning <laughs> it's so pretty um seeing it in these high def photorealistic explosions it's just like shit this um it just made it more real yeah it's like wow a lot of people died huh when they dropped the plate on top of sector seven when they dropped that big polygon on top of those other polygons yeah it's like a lot of people died they were you know, like million polygons <laughs> million millions of polygons died yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay from here on out i'm gonna go more into spoilers of things because I'm going to talk more about the end. So, aka Sephiroth. What is Sephiroth doing in this game? You may <laughs> ask. Well, he's there to tease the rest of Final Fantasy VII. Every single time Cloud has like one of his little headaches and Sephiroth is just like, come Cloud. <laughs> Reunion. <laughs> um, it, he gets like flash forwards. That's not the word, but we're going to roll with it. (laughs) Flash forwards of the events of Final Fantasy VII. Like, okay, this is kind of spoilers if this game's like, you know, 20-something years old. I don't care. I said spoiler anyway. Yes. So, like, Aerith's death, um, how she died, some of the events of Advent Children you even see into flash forwards. So it's like the impending, quote-unquote, doom, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, also, spoiler, he is the final boss, and that, when that theme hit, I screamed like a little, <laughs> like a little girl. When you first hear those, the, the strings, and then, I was just like, oh shit, I'm about to fight Sephiroth. <laughs> I would have like, oh, shit, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to cry. Fun fact, um, depending on the relationship he develops in the game, because you're separated from your party when you fight Sephiroth, but they slowly join in, and whoever you have the best relationship with shows up first. So in my case, it was Tifa. Yeah. And then That's last was Aerith. That's just Aerith. <laughs> that sounds about right for you. So yeah. Um, also, I'm going to talk about this one person. His name is Zach Fair. I love him. I think anybody who plays Final Fantasy loves Zach. Because you're supposed to. Because he's a, he's a sweet, precious bab. Yeah, and, like, he's a character that is just so good. Like, embodies that certain type of goodness that a lot of people are always going to be like, wow, he was, like, such an amazing person. And because he also means so much to Cloud and to a lot of other characters in the in the verse, it's, mm-hmm. it's like his legacy. Like, you're always going to know about Zach. You're always going to hear about Zach. He's just important to a lot of people. So he has... A certain mythos to him that I think is just super likable and super admirable, and that's why, and that's how he's how he's built as a person. Like it's, I have never met anyone who didn't like Zach. With all that being said, why the fuck is he in this game? Well, isn't he only in the game because of flashbacks and because mm. of the, the prophet shit? Mm, that see, that's the thing. That's my problem. Cause the thing is, when you first see Zach. It's him overlooking Midgar, and the Midgar is swirled by these new things called Whispers. 
which I will get to in a second. And then he and then he turns around and then he sees a bunch of Shinra soldiers and then it's word from word from Crisis Core. The price of freedom is steep. And then I started to, I started to cry a little bit because it's just like <laughs> You're not supposed to say that here, sweetie. This is not your game. <laughs> You're not supposed to show up till later in flashbacks when they're going to Nibelheim. <laughs> but well, no, he's... Sh- I was going to say, the same thing with Sephiroth. He's not supposed to be in this part of the game, but he was. Yes, but see, the difference is Zack is dead. <laughs> and, like, dead, yeah, dead. Yeah, I know, but he's still dead because those are technically flashbacks and also mm. the Whisper mm. thingies, right? Mm. See, that's the thing. I don't fully understand it. I was going to get there. Oh, okay. I think it had a lot of people confused, though. That's what it was super controversial. But from what I understand, they're all just flashbacks, and it might lead to, like, uh, oh, my God, maybe we can save him scenario, but, like, I don't think that's going to happen. Regardless, it's not... He's not alive right now. That's the moral of the Mm -hmm. story. He's dead. Yes. He's still dead, which is why I'm still okay with it. And I'm even okay with the teasing, because I don't care Mm -hmm. as long as he at the end of the day, is still dead, because that's how it should be. Sadly, I love him, but he should still be dead. Yes, exactly. So, like I said, the main differences is the whispers. I do not understand their presence. Those things, yeah. I do not understand their presence. Because of that, I'm not the biggest fan. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I think that maybe we'll see their utility in the next part or something. Mm -hmm. Like, why they're really... Because this is something new. This was not in the original game. Yes. Um, th- this is a part of that kind of new building, reimagining mm-hmm. kind of plot line, them adding those things. I honestly think that Z- the Zach thing is just directly tied to the Sephiroth thing. He wasn't in the first part of the game, but they brought him in because it's a fan thing. It's They wanted to please the fans by having Sephiroth there throughout the entire game, unlike in the original. And Zach is also a super fan favorite, even though the bitch has been dead. <laughs> he was dead in the original and all that, but he's still so important to Cloud. So since because he's since he is a fan favorite, I feel it goes in that same vein. They wanted to at least have him in the game in some capacity and kind of, you know, this whole teasing, having all those flashbacks and then having him tie into whatever the whispers plot is eventually going to be. Yes. So Word for word from the game, Red 13 calls them the arbiters of fate and said that they are drawn to those who attempt to alter destiny's course and ensure they do not. Mm. And people may be wondering, why does Red 13 know so much? Because he's from Cosmo Canyon and they literally study the planet there. That is their purpose, which we will see in part two, hopefully not too far in the future. (laughs) Please, Akkad. I mean, I'm sure the... I'm sure COVID-19 has probably slowed that down if they even had anything going because Mm -hmm. just- The game came out not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure that even though the game did come out like literally in April, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that That they already have things in motion for the second part. They can't Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Um, So towards the end of the game, we have, you know, <clears throat> the motorcycle chase, which I'm so happy they still kept in there. It was dumb, but it was so much fun. Um, and then you see Sephiroth, and then he's there like, he's talking about fate and destiny and all these things. And you're just like, why are you here, babe? <laughs> you're not supposed to be here. You're just supposed to like, you know, I know these are one of your clones and that you're really in the center of the planet, sucking up all the life stream, but you're supposed to not be here, sweetie. <laughs> no i'm pretty sure no one says it like that but you but yes continue but yeah he's never really been about like destiny and fate he's more like been about come join me for reunion so mother can be ruler of planet yeah that that is that is the purpose of existence uh, and then it's and then he summons this weird dimension thing you know where it's like and then Aerith is just like we can alter destiny here Things are not predetermined. And I'm just like, this is this is where I can tell Tetsuya Nomura had his hands in things because this all felt very Kingdom Heartsy. Yes, that's true. I can, yeah. I can vibe with that. The whole destiny and everything, yeah, it, it, everything being linked and shit. Yeah. yeah, it all felt very Kingdom Heartsy. And then you go into the weird thingy. It's like the path of no return. You go in there and then Sephiroth is there like, destiny. Here's a bunch of whispers that you have to fight. 
And then he fights this Kingdom Hearts-esque monster. And he's just like, okay, Tetsuya Nomura, you're flexing that you got the director role. I get it. You know, he didn't really know he was gonna, he, he didn't know he was a director until he saw a test video and it said director Tetsuya Nomura. He didn't know he was the director of Final Fantasy VII. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Until the test video was just like, director, Tetsuya Nomura. He's just like, wait a minute, I'm the director. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, yeah. shit, hey, no one told me that. <laughs> so he's like, oh, go, go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, fuck shit up. I'm gonna throw my Kingdom Hearts lore in here nobody's gonna tell me nothing because i'm the director <laughs> okay so back to the whispers um i saw a video where somebody said the whispers tend to show up when things deviate from their original storyline and i was just like bitch you right yo mind blown that's so cool and they're all yeah. about chasing down people who are altering fate yeah because when steph when sephiroth stabs the president of shinra he also stabs barrett yeah, and then Barrett's dead. But then a scene later, the whispers bring him back to life. Because that's not what's supposed to happen. Exactly. So it's just like, oh. <gasps> so no matter what's going to happen, things got to go back to the way it is. Yeah. So that's what does that mean for Zach Fair? <laughs> honestly, that gives me more hope that, they, that they're going to go the way that I think they are. And they're just mm -hmm. going to be like teasing, kind of dangling that carrot. Being, always it's being like... Hey, hey, Cloud. Hey, you remember that guy that, like, was your BFF? He doesn't, by the way. I know, but he'll eventually hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure when the whispers ask him this hypothetical question. That's when he's going to go into his coma. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys don't know, Cloud goes into, like, a catatonic state. Yeah, after, after Aerith dies. After Aerith dies, and then he finds out that he's just a Sephiroth clone. Yeah, and he's like, Everything I know is a lie, and then yeah, he just yeah, he goes into he just, it's pretty funny. I mean, yeah, -ish. it's funny in the like, I can't believe he really just like fainted and went into a coma from shock because he found out he was a clone. And it's funny the way he acted because yeah, he was just like, yeah, exactly. like if someone goes into a catatonic coma, that's not funny, it isn't, but yeah, it's just like. Because the thing is, what bothers me the most okay. is the fact that literally the end of the game, it's the, it's the squad going out of Midgar, you know, going into the open world, experiencing everything. But at the same exact time, you see Zack carrying Cloud going towards Midgar. You know, a scene from OG and also Crisis Core. And it's like, things are going to be okay. But then their paths cross. And you see the pads crossing. That bothers me. Why? So it's just like it's destiny. It's fate. It's destiny twining of time and space. Destiny is is that when Zach and Cloud go on the truck on their way to Midgar, um, Zach gets shot by Shinra soldiers. And then he dies there. And then Cloud gets his buster sword and then he's just like, What the fuck is going on? Okay, I'll go to Midgar. Because <laughs> Cloud literally forgot everything. And he thinks that in the entire time, his backstory is actually Zack's backstory. Yeah, in the OG. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why Zack is, is in this game, and that's my two cents. Okay. That's <laughs> so, what's, so what does, because I know, again, in the original, like you said, Cloud thinks that he is Zack, basically. Yes. Since he doesn't remember anything about himself, he, he thinks that because he has Zack's buster stored, that he is Zach. So he think he he thinks that his past or whatever is his backstory, which is yes. interesting. Because he has obviously amnesia. So in this in the new one, what's the difference? I know that that's not the case. No, it's still the same. Cause the thing is, because uh, he still says that he's an ex soldier, that he's a Merc, um, and that he's from the town of Nibelheim, which he's still from the town of Nibelheim. The thing is, is that Cloud never made it into soldier. But you don't you don't find that out in the OG game until, like, oof, like, disc two. <laughs> How many discs was the OG? Three. Oh, okay. It's, it's a big game. Cause Especially the for open, the time. Yeah, because the open world is 
huge and it's so much fun and you can spend hours doing chocobo breeding just to get the nice of the round material because it's OPAF. Trust me, I did it yesterday. <laughs> so it's worth. that is, yeah, it's 100% it's worth. It's like 10 minute animation and the attacks never stop. It's so good. But you have to spend hours breeding and racing chocobos. So I hope they, I hope they include that in the future game. <laughs> I hope the chocobo breeding is still included because it's still so much fun for me for some reason. Hey, at least you have fun and you get some OP materia to help you with your fight. That you do. So that is my two cents on Remake. It is good. 10 out of 10. Go buy it. Play it. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Other than this game is so fucking pretty. And something I've not talked about yet is the music. It's so good. The remix of Let the Battles Begin and everything else. Like when they started playing Those Chosen by the Planet, I fucking yelled because I was not <laughs> expecting so many of the original themes to be in this game. Because <laughs> when I first played, you. yeah, they gotta hit you with that nostalgia. Yeah, when I first played OG, I listened to the soundtrack on repeat for days because it's so good and it's iconic and a little bit scary at times. But that's because Nobu Omatsu knows how to make music. But I was not expecting. Um, the trail of blood to play either i was just so happy with everything and also kudos to the voice actors i was a little bit scared because they replaced my man my sephiroth when i thought he had a good english va already you know but tyler hawkland did a didn't did a good job it could be better but he did a good job i wonder why they replaced him because the guy is still alive as far as i know right yeah, and he still goes to conventions being like, I was the voice of Sephiroth. I know, I got his autograph. I managed to keep it together when that happened as well. I was proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, am, I think it's interesting that they went with a different voice actor when the original guy is still around. The development team wanted to get the original cast, which they did for the Japanese one. I have no idea why they did it for the English because I remember seeing a lot of the voice actors' Twitters um, being like, we want to be in the game, but they didn't call us. <laughs> That's so weird. And we have iconic voice actors from that game. Exactly. Like Steve Bloom, Quinton Flynn. I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head, but those are the ones that... Yeah, um, and they're still, they're still considered big name voice actors. That's why I'm really surprised that they changed anything in the cast because all those people, for the most part, are still alive and around. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, like, I gotta give kudos to, you know, Tyler Hawkland because I may be biased, but Sephiroth, to me, is a hard character to portray. Because to me, it's very easy to make him very one-note. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's the same with um, Batman. It's yes. very, very, very easy to make Batman a one-note kind of performance, which is a lot of the issues that I have with his current voice in the animated. Like, sometimes I like it, and then other times, he's very flat to me. And I think mm -hmm. with Sephiroth, because he's such a, like, looming figure in the distance or whatever, he can suffer from that same thing, that you want to make him just stay on one level because you want him to stay intimidating and stay mysterious, but you also have to give him, you know, dynamics and a performance. Exactly. So, in this case, in the OG, you see Sephiroth go through a lot of levels of emotion. From, like, straight up crazy to, like, hey, I'm totally sane. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to destroy the planet, and that's fine. So, I'm very interested to see how Tyler Hawkins going to do that. Especially when Sephiroth finds out that he was just a test tube baby. That's going to be very interesting. <laughs> um, but kudos to the entire crew. Because they, they did a fantastic job. So now from here on, what I want from Square Enix is to, um, you know, revamp the rest of the games. Give Dirge of Cerberus the chance it deserves. More people don't know about it. Yeah, we even need, Crisis we need... Core is pretty underrated. Yes, more people need to know about it. And these games, they're only available on the systems they first came out with. Nobody owns a PSP anymore. I know, I sold mine. For like a hundred dollars with four games that person wanted to play 
Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dirge of Cerberus came out on PS2, which I still own, because, like, it's it's the 2006 emo inside of me that won't let it go. Imagine if we still got, like, you know, an updated version of Advent Children. That would be insane. Yeah. I think so, that they... I don't know. I really do agree with you. Like, I would love for Dirge of Cerberus and Crisis Core to be available on other systems. Like, maybe not give it the whole remake, whatever, but at least, like, a remastered, you know? Mm -hmm. But I honestly, I don't think they're going to do it. I would love for them to do it, but I don't think so. I think that they're going to tie in the Crisis Core plot lines and stuff into 7. I don't think they're going to remake a, a different... I don't think they're going to remake Crisis Core. I think they're going to... That's why they're putting Zack in this as well. I think that they're going to use a lot of that other supplementary material in this game and intertwine it with the fate shit, with the whispers. That's true. You make a fair point. Well, yeah, I, would I, I guess that, makes, that wrong, makes sense. I would love it. But I think that they're going to put it in here, especially because they're reimagining it and making it longer than the original. Mm -hmm. I think that they're going to use all that other supplementary stuff in it as well. Mm. And who knows what's you know who knows how many parts they're planning to make this into? I just exactly. hope it's like exactly. I hope it's three like there are three original discs, and I already have perfect cutoff points for Square Enix. You know, after disc two, it should be you know, Arid's death. That's how should disc two should end, in my personal opinion, and that would be a great impact. And that's what they probably might do because you know they like to be mean. And then the rest will be on disc three, which will be the magnum opus, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Three, or whatever you want to call it, the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end of it all, because this is like when we finally, you know, finish the damn game. And they're like, finally, we can put this to rest and people will stop asking us about this damn game. We could move on to other things. It's like Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> I love move on to other things just as another Final Fantasy game. <laughs> I mean like if you think about it Final Fantasy was made because Square Enix tried a bunch of games before but then they were like we're not making any money we're just gonna make one good game put all of our money into it and we're just gonna call it Final Fantasy and lo and behold we have so many Final Fantasy games after that <laughs> it's like damn our bargain paid off we actually making money now <laughs> oof they are making so much money off this remake, but tell me, did you, does, does this make you want to play remake, or are you just content with what you got? I actually, it makes me want to play it. I want to experience it for myself, and since it's, uh, like, my, I guess my type of game that it's basically story-driven, and then you fight <laughs> along the way, like, that's usually the type of games that I like in general, and I was originally intending to play it, but I just didn't want to buy it. I didn't want to spend <laughs> money. I was, I was just like, get it from Coco. Yeah, I'm actually. She offered to let me borrow it, so I think that that's what I'm gonna do. But I still, you know what? I'm gonna play this before I finish Arkham Knight. Fuck it. Do it. It's worth it. And besides, Cloud has three different dresses depending on the choices you pick. So I'm excited to see what dress you get. How exciting! Like I can't, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so hype about Cloud in this fucking dress. Like I can't wait to do that. Um, but in general, I like that they're expanding on the story. Like you said, it's a reimagining, not necessarily a remake. Like word for word, exactly it. But I like that they are keeping true to the original and just adding more things to hopefully make it more interesting and a different experience with that same nostalgia. Yes, that's exactly how it felt. And I hope this has encouraged everyone else to go by and play this game. So that way they're like, hey, we're doing a good job. We're going to continue with this project and finish it with a great end. With like, you know, if they if do make it to the end in my lifetime, I'm going to buy stereo speakers so I can experience Sephiroth's theme in like full surround sound. <laughs> Because I, I need that in my life. I, I love, like, the disclaimer, like, if they finish it in my lifetime. I would, so many people were not expecting to see this. That's true. It, I really think um, there isn't, like, too much time between the games. Like, I get a year, two, three, because it takes a long time to develop a video game, but I hope that they have been getting ahead of it so that they don't release it, like, ten years apart or something. Yeah. Bish, I'm not going to be 40 playing the third Final Fantasy game.
Are you I hope not. God, no. We, I did it with Kingdom Hearts. I don't think I could do it again. That's what I'm saying. So I hope that, <laughs> that they at least release them within a year or two of each other. Something like that. Some, some sort of consistency because it is going to be horrible waiting five, six, seven years for the next part. It is. Also, side note, I never talked about my girl Tifa. She's beautiful. The end. <laughs> The end. <laughs> she's so fucking pretty <laughs> god in like that dress said, and like you said she like the other characters basically got more fleshed out because they're getting oh hell yeah and she, tifa was really already a well-developed character but they made her so much i don't know how they made her so much better and her outfit and her dress it got me sweating <laughs> damn you didn't know that they could improve perfection and now here they are making tifa better than you thought she God, it's so good. Guys, go play this game. <laughs> I, I was so happy with Seven. <laughs> I, I, I slept on it a little bit because I was um, fatigued from finishing Persona 5 The Royal, which is like a 140-hour experience. <laughs> but I'm so glad I played it, so go play it. Everyone should play it. Experience it. And if you really want to, play the OG. It's like, I don't know how much money in the PSN store for like, it's like probably $10. It's 15 on the Nintendo Switch store. Go play it if you really want to know what happens in the story. So you can be like, oh, that was there. Oh, that wasn't there. Oh, you were wrong. Bitch, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so tell us your thoughts on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did it leave things out from the original that you're upset about? Or did it leave things out that you wanted them to leave out? Like that weird, let's breed Aerith with Red 13 stuff. God, that was so weird. <laughs> you can tell us your opinions on our Twitter page, Caped Critiques, C-A-P-E-D Critiques. Or you can email us at gmail at capesandcritiques at gmail.com. Any final words after your Final Fantasy VII uh, remake podcast do you, any hopes for the future for the games what are, you, what are you most excited for in the next games I'm gonna let you guess okay she's excited for Sephiroth and his plot and his development because he's gonna become more important in the following games hell fuck yeah <laughs> and also Vincent motherfucking Valentine <laughs> I cannot wait to see him flip out of that coffin in high definition. <laughs> he literally, his coffin lid levitates up and to the side, and then he does a backflip onto the uh, onto the other side of the coffin. And then he just floats. It's going to be amazing to see that in HD. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Other scenes are so not going to make sense if they translate it literally. Like a part where... So, where Sephiroth just throws a materia at Cloud and then flies away. <laughs> it's not gonna make any sense. So I hope they, I hope yeah, they I'm update sure, it. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna add a little more context to scenes that were like a little iffy in the original, especially if they're putting this much effort into fleshing out other aspects of the game in general. Yes. Oh, oh, also, I hope they make a lot of side quests in the OG game mandatory because some side quests, I don't understand why they're side quests. They should be main story. Oh, okay, okay. Because you think that there's information that is important to yes. the story in the side quest, but they're optional, so you might not get that information. Yeah, like when you return to Nibelheim for the second time, you can go into the basement and then you see Sephiroth stealing Genova. And that's optional. <laughs> Yo, that's a key plot point. <laughs> and I mean, that's also, to... yeah, and you see more of, like, Sephiroth finding out who he is and and everything. And also, like, everything with Vincent. Vincent's an optional character. Yeah, I, I do know that. I remember that. So getting Vincent, it's optional, even though he's so important. And then getting, going to his cave by Nibelheim. Where you see Lucrezia, and then it's like, oh, who's Lucrezia? Oh, I'm the one that gave birth to Sephiroth. This is optional? <laughs> okay. So you want oh. them to... I'm sure if they're focusing so much on story, they will imp incorporate those important aspects into it um, and mm -hmm. make those side quests mandatory and stuff. 
but yes. I, I, I hope so. I, I mean, at least from what I'm hearing of the first one, it seems like that's the direction they're gonna go in for the following ones. Yes, exactly. So those are my hopes and dreams. Please make them come true. Make Sephiroth even more beautiful than he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, just once again, kudos to Tyler Hawkland because only one man in my life could say Cloud the way Sephiroth does, which is a Japanese VA, and Tyler Hawkland does that pretty well. Because oh. the Japanese VA is just like, Kuraudo. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> and then yeah. Tyler Hawkland said, Cloud. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> Yo, that's like next level praise, Tyler Hawkland. You're definitely not listening to this, but if you... <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man, he's 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 always like being like, I got money from Team Wolf and Su and Supergirl. Yeah, and his own show. I think he's gonna have his own Superman show eventually on the CW. Well then, that's interesting. Yeah, him and Lois are gonna have kids. That's not that <laughs> I just made a very interesting connection. You know that the original English VA for Sephiroth is also the English VA for Superman in like Justice League. Yes, yes, you told me that. So it's also very funny. That's a prerequisite to playing Sephiroth. Sephiroth apparently has to be yeah. Superman. You guys didn't know, if you're an English VA and you want to play Sephiroth, you have to first, at some point, have played Superman. That's just a prereq. You have to know how to be the, like... The, the polar opposite. Of, yeah, you have to know how to be the embodiment of goodness to be the embodiment of evil, apparently. That's the requirement. That is hilarious. <laughs> And with that nugget of wisdom and those parting words, we'll see you next issue.